0: Hello friends, welcome to 100 Degrees Below Freezing, a story and devotional podcast where we share the experiences we've had while following Jesus in the Alaskan bush. Sometimes odd, sometimes funny, sometimes painful, but always in light of Jesus. Grab something warm and join us in the adventure. Episode 10, The 100-Year Floodplain. There are several podcasts that I subscribe to, but the ones that I tend to listen to the most are the ones that keep their episodes to 10 minutes or under. I've tried to model this with my own podcast, but the story I'm about to tell you will just simply not fit into those kind of parameters. It's worth telling anyways, so let's see what we can do with the time you've got. May 26th, 2013 broke the dawn like any other glorious day on the Yukon River. It was warm. In the upper 70s to lower 80s, And this was a great relief because it had been an exceptionally cold winter, and winter had just refused to give up its icy grip. In fact, it had snowed only two weeks prior. It was a Sunday, and the first thing we heard from folks trickling into church that morning was that the river ice had broken. The Yukon freezes all the way across every year, and this year the ice had reached depths more than five feet in thickness. It's kind of counterintuitive, but the river ice does not break from the mouth of the river out, but actually starts from the headwaters in Canada and breaks up as it goes downstream. This truly is one of the natural wonders that we get to watch every year. Imagine floating patties of ice the size of your front yard being flipped end over end, crushing against one another, and being slammed into the riverbank and causing the ground to shake. It's truly an awesome sight. And so it creates a little bit of a community gathering down at the local seawall everyone stops by to look and be in awe some bring their folding chairs and hang out to visit as the raw power of this seasonal event powers by beside them this year would show us just how powerful the river truly was people first started to feel a sense of uneasiness when they began to talk about how the ice churning past was more at ground level than in previous years. Usually you would look down the riverbank at this marvel, but there was no looking down, it was simply looking out. Village elders who were brought by began to say that this didn't look right or good, and a few places below the average height of town began to fill with water. Now some flooding on the Yukon is fairly normal. Minor flooding happens about every ten years. So people began to do normal precautions, moving vehicles and boats to higher roads, that kind of thing. I happened to have committed that day to help a friend move. He lived in the part of town called Old Town and was moving to, well, you guessed it, Newtown. Uh, Where he lives, was very exposed to the river, and it wasn't so much the water that concerned people in Old Town, but the river ice. You see, it doesn't take a lot of water to move an eight-ton block of ice. So, we quickly moved as much as we could in as short a time as possible. All the while, I'm getting calls from my wife saying that there is water pooling in the field behind the house. Now, this dry field, which is locally called a grass lake, is dry all summer. But we had heard in years past that the minor flooding Galena sometimes sees would have water pool in the back. My boys had decided that this was a great chance to take out an inflatable raft and paddle around a bit. Ah, boy's life. At this point, that was the picture of what the flood event was to us. Just a bit of different distraction. Nothing ominous at all. By the time I finished helping my friend move, my wife was ready for me to come home and help move up some of the things we had left down in the grass lake. It was around that time in the evening that I got a call from my brother saying that he had just tried to drive out of his road and was unable to because water was coming over the road. As the evening progressed, the dry grass lake went from having a couple of feet of water to having nearly eight feet of water, and by midnight the water behind the house had filled the lower bowl and was about to touch the pilings that support our house. No water had yet moved into our yard, And we had a lot of things stored under the house and shop, so that was a relief. But it appeared as though the water had stopped, and we went to bed for an uneasy night of sleep. After awaking many times throughout the night to check on the water level conditions, we finally got up and began our day, May 27th, a Monday. The water level had not changed overnight, and to that we were really thankful. I talked to several friends and neighbors who were out and about and heard that an ice dam had formed about 20 miles downriver at a 90 degree bend in the river called bishop rock it's a site where a catholic bishop was murdered by his guide about a hundred years ago as the morning progressed the water level slowly began to rise and made its way partially under my house i moved things out of the way but was confident that it had reached a height that it could not move significantly past The parsonage I live in was built three feet over the hundred year floodplain and the water did reach a point again where it stopped and then started to recede. I heard from others that the ice jam had broken and that the water was moving downstream. Man, what a relief. Shell and I loaded up the kids and did what everybody else was doing. We drove around and looked at all the places the water had backed into. The float plane link called Lake Alexander was most impressive because it had become a river and was churning under a culverted bridge uh, on one of the two roads that connected Old Town and New Town. We went to the airport to pick up some UPS packages there, and it was there that we heard that the ice jam had not broken and that the water had again started to rise. We went home to find exactly that. Show went inside with our three kids and kept them occupied while I donned my chest waders and began to wrestle with the items in my yard that needed to be moved to higher ground. But unlike the previous day, the water did not gradually rise. It rapidly rose. In fact, it rose three feet in 30 minutes. That's when they started to blast the siren. The city's tornado siren was primarily used for the fire department to inform of a fire that needed to be responded to, Now, this created confusion because we didn't know if it was a flood-related siren or if it was, in fact, a fire-related siren. I later found out that the siren broke and couldn't be turned off until the power went off about 45 minutes later. We were told by people driving by the roads connecting Old Town and New Town had been washed out. The bridge we had driven over not long before had the culvert fold up and push through the road. We were trapped on this side of town that didn't have the airport. When we made the decision to leave the house, the water level in the driveway had reached above my waist. I pulled a canoe onto the porch landing of our entry and loaded Shelna kids into it so that I could move them up to the road where our vehicle had been moved to get them over to the school. As they went down the road, water began quickly to cut off both ends of our road. I made two trips back to the house. The last one was on my three-wheeler and I had to get off and wade across, letting the balloon tires float the rig to the other side. We retrieved our dogs, some water, and military-style meals that I used for hunting, and moved up to the school. Talking with the elders at the school, they were visibly shaken, and said that they had never seen any flooding like this before. Well, so much for the 100-year flood plan. We were trapped at the school. Many people were trapped on their roads, or at their homes, and could not get out. The only boats, That were operating were the few boats that had jet units instead of props and those owners were feverishly trying to get help to anyone who needed it. It was an incredible time to watch the fortitude of a community. It was as if nothing belonged to anyone. There was no concern for looting or anything like that. If you had something that you thought someone needed there was no hesitation. The community rallied to the aid of each other but the aid was quickly becoming apparent that it would be insufficient at the magnitude of what was happening, while we were at the school shelter, word came that the commercial airline would be sending three planes to get elders and the youngest children with their parent with a parent out of Galena. Jet boats would have to navigate the flooded roads and ATV paths filled with ice that now floated in town. Since our daughter was three at the time, we decided to have Shell go with the kids and get them to safety. It would free me to be able to serve others in a less distracted way and would get them to safety. We prayed, said goodbye, and they headed to safety while I began to help others move things to higher ground. It was about three hours after they had left me that I got a call from Shell that stopped me in my tracks. There's no planes coming, she said. What do you mean there's no planes coming? There was apparently some confusion, and the one plane that came and got some of the elders but they've moved us into the boarding school dorms and are saying that we have to shelter in place. I asked her, what do you see? And she replied, Chris, I can see ice over the dike. You see, the airfield and boarding school are surrounded by a dike that was built about 30 years ago. At this point, they were dry, but the water level outside the dike had risen to the point of pushing river ice to the height that standing down in the bowl, she could see it. This wasn't good. And it was to this day the most helpless I have ever felt. My wife and three kids were three miles away from me, and there was nothing I could do to get to them. If that dike broke, they would be in an extremely dangerous situation, as would the other 80 elders, women, and children that were now stuck on that side of town from us. The 33 degree floodwaters were still rising, the options were closing. The communication was getting harder and harder. What were we going to do? Find out next time on 100 Degrees Below Freezing. To you, friends, I say, stay warm and never stop needing Jesus.